Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. I appreciate you being here with us at Rock House Baptist Church. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about being unashamed. Unashamed of what? Unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of Jesus. Unashamed of our faith. And as we've went through this, our, our key verses have come out of Romans chapter 1. Just to give you a reminder, Romans 1, 16 through 17. I encouraged you couple of weeks ago. Try and memorize these. These are a good one, a couple of verses to have stashed away. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now the first week we talked about what does it mean to be unashamed? Why are we unashamed? Why can we be unashamed? What are we unashamed of? And we, we looked at those two verses that first week. Oh, last week, Dan talked about having the new life in Christ. That when you come to Jesus and you trust in Him through faith, as Paul says, for salvation, He, he changes you, that we are transformed from the inside out. We become a new creature in Jesus Christ. We basically get a heart transplant from Jesus. And He transformed us starting deep down within us, and it comes out into every area of our life. This week, we're on the letter A. We're going through the word unashamed, U-N-A, and we're going to be talking about what it means to be all in for Jesus. We're going to look at a story of a few of the disciples and how they went all in to follow Jesus. And then we're going to hear from one of our own a testimony about what it means to them to go all in. A man that's committed, really, the rest of his life to being all in for Jesus. If you have your Bibles, it'll also be on the screen. Our, our key passage this morning will be in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. This will be a familiar passage for a lot of us. I've preached this passage before, but we're going to look at it a little bit differently this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. You know, I, I love reading about the disciples, especially uh, these early days before uh, Jesus ascended back to heaven. And they, they were fishermen at heart, man. Even when things got crazy, what did they do? They went back to fishing. Jesus found them fishing right where he found them in the first place. And I, I love that because I've always loved to fish. 
not just for people, but literally fish for fish. You know, growing up, my grandfather uh, was a big, he loved to fish. And so he'd drag me along with him down to the riverbank on the Cumberland River, and we'd sit for what felt like days at a time fishing. And then I, I realized, you know, that was always enjoyable, but then I found out there's other kinds of fish, there's other places you can fish. It's a lot more fun sometimes, no offense, granddad, but to go to the lake on a boat and fish for those bass fish and things like that that actually bite when you cast something in the water. And so I always love fishing. Now these guys, they made their living by fishing. It's how they made their, their money. I never made money catching fish or fishing. I spent a lot of money and wasted a lot of time, but I've never made money at fishing. But these first early disciples, their whole means of living was by fishing. Today it's a dream job if you can fish for a living, commercially, or, or I guess competitively. But back then, man, it was tough. It was hard work. And these guys supported their families, their whole lives depended on this. And we've talked before, we've looked at this passage of Scripture, we've talked before about these men leaving behind their careers in order to follow Jesus. And we think, wow, what a sacrifice. And we admire them leaving behind their means of making a living to follow Jesus. And we commend their faith. But now, today, how many of us would say, honestly, they'd be willing to do all that to follow Jesus. Now these points I'm going to give you this morning, they're going to sting a little bit, okay? As I studied this week, it hurt me. And it reminded me of the cost of following Jesus. And the first one is this, Jesus is worth more than your career. That hurts some folks' uh, feelings. Well, why we respect the sacrifice these men made, honestly, it don't make any sense to us, does it? What they did flies in the face of the American dream. We, we look at what they did and we say, Now, preacher, that's great and all, but there's no way I could ever leave my job, my career, my profession to follow Jesus. What about my pension? What about my 401k? What about, and here's what it boils down to, what about my standard of living? Ouch. You know, I've honestly, I've tried to do just about everything else other than what I do now. I've tried real jobs. I've tried working for other people. I've tried to do anything I could except full-time ministry. And I'll be honest with you, I was miserable. That's one way you know that God has called you to do something. He won't let you do anything else and have peace about it. But today, getting up every day and being your pastor and doing ministry. Now, it's tough sometimes, but I've never been happier in my life than what I am today. I feel I'm doing what God made me for. And because of that, I have a peace that I cannot explain to you. And a lot of folks, maybe you struggle with this. Maybe, maybe God's leading you in a similar direction that He led me several years ago. Maybe it is some kind of vocational ministry or maybe it's just a different career maybe what you're doing is not what you're supposed to be doing what God made you to do maybe here's the big one maybe maybe you are where God wants you to be you're doing vocationally what God wants you to do but you're not all in for him where you are I'm sorry this is, this is going to be a tough one this morning if you were you talk more about him in your workplace. 
If you were, you would stand up for His Word and for His principles, even when everybody else is going in a different direction. And you'd be willing to do so even if you thought it might cost you your career. Why? Because Jesus is worth more than your career. That hurts. The second one's going to hurt even more. The second one is, we learn from these disciples, is that Jesus is worth more than your family. And I know that I'm talking to a culture whose family is so close, but it, there's not much runs deeper than blood, except the blood of Jesus. James and John, look at the story. James and John literally left old dad Zebedee sitting there in the boat. I mean, they literally got up and left him sitting there. And, and we know these disciples left their families behind. And these two brothers literally left their old man behind. And, and it's so, we, 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 don't, we don't realize the significance of this. Not only was he their dad, this was their mentor. This was the one that, who they learned everything they knew about what they were doing for a living. He taught them how to fish. He taught them how to make a living by fishing. They had spent countless hours in this boat with Zebedee, their father. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, follow me. And they get up and leave Zebedee right there in the boat. I wonder how many people, this is going to sting, but listen, I wonder how many people have failed to follow Jesus at their greatest potential because they would not leave family behind. Now, I love my family. And I'm not just talking about Kate and the kids. I love our extended family. We, we have a very close-knit family like many of you do. And I love my family more than most things in this world. But I've had to accept the hard truth that Jesus is even worth more than my family. Now, when we came here, we didn't move that far away. But there's a little distance between us. Before we came here, our whole family lived within one mile of, of each other. Probably like most of you do. My family lived at the head of all the holler. Caitlin's parents lived out at the mouth. And we, when we got married, lived right in the middle. And we all lived right there together. And, and now, though, even though there's, they're still there and we see each other quite a bit, there's, there's still some distance. But here's what's happened. God has given us a Leslie County family that we love and cherish and adore. And see, that's what, what the Lord does. He don't just throw you out there and leave you hanging. But think about even a greater sacrificing this. Think about all the missionaries that we support that all the time make that difficult decision to leave their family, not just their country and their countrymen behind and all their creature comforts. They leave their families to go wherever it is that Christ has called them to go to share the gospel with people that desperately need to hear it. In order to follow Jesus into that great unknown, just saying, wherever you want to take us, God, we'll go. We'll leave it all behind. Now, we say we're Christ followers, right? I am. Any other Christ followers in here? Okay. Just making sure I know who I'm talking to. We say that we're all in for Jesus, that we're sold out for Jesus a lot of times. But how many would honestly say, I'd be willing to leave my family and go where Jesus told me to go? And I'm not just pulling this from this passage of Scripture. Look at what Jesus says in this dialogue in Luke chapter 9. It says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Don't that sound familiar? How many, I'm like, I wonder how many people have stood in church and said, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever He wants me to go. Really? 
Look what Jesus said, 58. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. Lord, he said, First let me go and bury my father. But he told him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, get this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now here's the thing. God may never ask you to leave your job. He may not. He may never ask you to leave your family. But at the end of the day, we must at least be willing to do those things if God says go. We at least have to have a willing heart. And sometimes when He has a special plan and purpose for your life, He will ask you to leave it all behind and come and follow Him. This morning I've asked Gary Ostrander to come and to share with us some of his story. Um, he and his immediate family, they've left jobs, they've left extended family in order to be here in Leslie County and to serve our community and to serve in our church. And I just ask Gary to come now and share a little bit of his story to us this morning. I'm a little bit nervous because things happen. I didn't think I was that short, but it'll help because I can see my notes better. Uh, I'm nervous because Pastor asked me to talk a little bit about what it means to be all in. Um, and I would have to start at the beginning of my life. And I know I don't look it, but I am older. And I really don't want to make you guys that late for lunch. So I'm going to cut a few things out. Um, but uh, I've never been very transparent, especially Sunday school class is different, so this is a little bit different for me. Um, my story is a little bit different probably than some of you heard. I was brought up in a Christian home, a good Christian home, by mom and dad who I uh, deeply respect. Um, I became a Christian when I was five years old in Mrs. Ford's Sunday school class at Marlette Baptist Church. I can still see the flannel graph. And in saying that, you now know how old I am. If you don't know what a flannel graph is, um, that dates you. Um, but growing up in the church where your parents are involved um, can lead to some things. And it leads to the fact that maybe you take things for granted. I was basically a good kid. My dad told me, look, son, you find yourself in jail, enjoy your stay, I'll come visit you, but I'm not bailing you out. Translated, that means if you get yourself into trouble, you're going to pay the price. Um, he never had to come rescue me from jail. He rescued me from a few other things, but not jail. Um, but growing up, you know, 12 years old, got my first paper out, started working for farmers, um, which doesn't sound like 
earth-shattering, but it began. I began to realize that I liked to work. Um, I enjoyed it. I was good at it. And as I grew up uh, into my teens, there was no one who could outwork me. And I would put them to the test. I would work them into the ground. And I didn't really care who it was. Um, I used to be. I used to be Superman. I could leap tall buildings, stop bullets, and emphasis on used to be. Um, so as I as I grew to love work, there's one occupation where you can work so there is no tomorrow, and that's farming. And I had some men in our church that uh, took me under the wing and taught me a lot and gave me the opportunity to work a 14-hour day. And that became second nature to me. Um, as I got out of high school, um, I went into, uh, I know this is going to probably be hard for some of you to take, but I went to Michigan State University. Um, that's where the dairy production program was. And uh, I went to school to become a dairy farmer. Um, again, because there's not many things you can do that's more work than that. I love to work. What, that time of my life, uh, even though I grew up in the church and I knew all the right things to do and all the right things to say, um, I went to church at that period of my life because when my mom asked me, uh, did you go to church Sunday? Yeah, I went to church. I usually slide right in the back row and slide right out as quick as I could um, because I didn't want to listen too much because I was running my own show. I was very proud, very arrogant, very stubborn. Sometimes that still comes out. You can ask my wife. Um, that was a period of time in my life where I learned to do things my own. I didn't need anybody. Um, didn't want anybody. Any problem that came up, I'd get it done. I'd fix it. In fact, my boss, when I was working in Vermont on placement training, uh, only one time in couple years I was there did I ever hear him uh, get angry and I had struggled for about three quarters of the day to fix a problem and I wouldn't ask for help and finally he got frustrated with me and he walked up in about a minute and a half he fixed the problem and he said there now don't be so stubborn and that stuck with me all my life um, I didn't always I didn't always listen to that, um, but that's that was the beginning of a change. Um, my family probably hasn't heard some of this because I've never been as transparent. Um, I didn't. I have five children. Two of my kids are grown up and on their own. Um, I have three at home. I did not necessarily teach my older kids the things that I should have. I taught my oldest boy how to work. Because that's what I could do. That's what I was good at. I could put in an 18-hour day. That was great. Um, when my boy worked with me on the job, it wasn't uncommon for us to run 24 hours straight. 36. Just to get the job done and get home. I was probably a workaholic. 
that affects what you do in that it is your focus. Even though you go to church, you teach Sunday school, you do Awana, you do all those things, you're just basically there to work. Um, as, as I got a little older, kids married Cammie and we had her kids and uh, had a family, what better place to raise your family than on a farm? Good, clean living, learn how to work hard, um, and I was happy. I was pushing a thousand acres at one time. Um, we had dairy cows and horses and chicken, everything, anything you can think of, we had. And if my wife had saying, we'd had probably more animals, like camels and things like that. Um, but it. What began to affect me was my oldest son said, well, if you want to see dad, you got to go to work. And that started to bite at me a little bit. Um, we'd, been, we'd been going to a large church. Felt like we were getting lost there. So we went to a smaller church. At that smaller church, um, God began to smack me around a little bit. Again, you know, I want to... Or teaching Sunday school every day. Um, the church was a small church, didn't have a lot of money, we needed volunteer positions, so we took on the leader ministry. Uh, and somewhere in there, somewhere in there, one of our friends had a boy Jack's age years old, the ground in the back door. And that got me to thinking, got Cammie to thinking, and uh, what really were we doing? About that time, because we were youth leaders, we had to Someone mentioned, hey, there's this place called Big Creek, and it was cheap. And we were a small church, so cheap was good. And they planned everything, so we didn't have to do anything but get there. And so we came down to Leslie County our first time on a mission trip with a bunch of youth kids that um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so far out from my comfort zone. Um, and the very first night we were here, my wife and I looked at each other and said, this is something we can do. Um, at that time, because it was a little while ago, things are a little foggy, but at that time I was still farming. I had a contract. I was doing construction work. Still busy, 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 busy. And if you don't know it, that's what the devil wants you. He wants you busy. The busier you are, the better he likes it. Because can't focus on what God wants you to focus. You focus on yourself. And that's where I was. And God can use a pretty big two-by-four if he has to. And my name, last name, is not kind of a common name around here. Ostrander. It's not one you hear 
pretty much anybody here says, well, you ain't from around here. Uh, it's German. And I don't know if I'm going to offend anybody, but Germans are stubborn people, and I was just about the most stubborn as you could be. Uh, and God began to change. Now, I had a passion, if you remember, and that was work. And, and it took the form of farming. Um, there's nothing I like better than that, unless it was hunting. It may seem weird to you guys to talk about hunting, but in order to understand me, that was my passion. I I had a job that I could be off every opening day. It was a religion. My farming was a passion. Since I was three, uh, three to five years old, um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a farmer. I wanted to be a heavy equipment operator. Um, and that was my life. That, that was, I was very tunnel vision. And so I had the passion of hunting and never missing a hunting season until I came to Wesley County. And that happens to be a very busy time for us. Um, I had to give up farming, which to some of you wouldn't be a big deal. To me, if you remember, it was my identity what I was. Um, when I sold my business, uh, there wasn't enough to pay the bills. It wasn't worth anything. So for 48 years, I spent my life building up something that really wasn't worth anything. And when you look back in your life, that everything that you were, every, all your dreams in one day mean like 30 cents on the dollar. It makes you think a little bit. Might not seem important to you guys, I missed opening day of deer season, but I hadn't done that since I was a kid. That was something that was part of me. Now, There's a lot of other things when you pick up your family you think about. You move to a foreign country almost. <laughs> Financially, not a good move. I'm just being honest. You know, there's a lot of other things uh, that I probably could have done to serve Jesus. Emotionally, I walked away from my identity. Marriage, it's an exciting time to move. <laughs> There's some stress there. Um, leaving behind everything that's familiar. Uh, my family, my sisters are up in Michigan. It's a long ways away. My mom and dad are up in Michigan about your kids. You know where you are, what's going on with your kids, but you're talking about coming to another area. You don't know how the kids are going to react. They knew what we were doing. We were very transparent with them, very open with them, and they were good with 
still don't know you wonder. There's, there's drug problems. I can't work like I used to. 
my work. I enjoy the people I work with. You all got a job where you can go to work every day and you like everybody you work with, you better stick with that job. But that's what God does. It doesn't have to be, oh, for me, I left this. It can be, this is where I wanted you in the first place and it took you 50 years to get there. It kind of feels like The scary part is this. I said to God, I'll go where you want me to go. You brought me here. Uh, the real commitment is the next time he says, I got something to do. Are you willing to pick up again? And go again. Now I hope that doesn't happen. But if you say to God, I'll do what you want me to do. You better be ready to do what he wants you to do. Because what he did for you, he left a pretty nice place. And he came down here. You talk about giving all. He gave it his all. Christian as well. I've been a Christian all my life. And I've been here all my life. My question is, is are you doing what God wants you to do? If you're a brand new Christian, it's time to get busy. You don't want to spend 30, 40 years in your life. Do more of that
they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's Christian's fault. It's we're supposed to be doing. And so, that's the very short version of my life. Um, but more importantly, I wanted to take this opportunity to convey to you guys the importance of It's awesome when you can read the stories in the Bible, but then when you get the opportunity to hear it from someone else's mouth that's lived it, that's lived the example. And you think about, you know, going all in, and we think, well, you know, like, like Gary said, it's easy to say, I'll go this far with the Lord. But how about going the, all in? Everything you've got. Why would you do that? Well, because Jesus went all in for you. You see, when you follow Jesus, there is no, maybe I'm in a little bit. It's either all in or you're all out. There's no lukewarmness, as Jesus himself says, in following him. Either you're hot or you're cold. If you find yourself lukewarm, Jesus told the Laodicean church, said, you're so lukewarm and nasty, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You're detestable to me. I wish you were either hot or cold. At least we know which side you're on. My question is, this morning is the same as it was the first week. What about you? Are you hot? Are you cold? 
Are you trying to be somewhere in the middle? What's keeping you from saying, God, I will go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do and say whatever you want me to say, no matter what I've got to leave behind? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I want to read this quote to you. He was hanged for his faith. And he, the short version is, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It's in the context of this, uh, out of a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He said, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with His death. We give over our lives to death, to death. And thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow Him. Or it may be a death like Martin Luther who had to leave the monastery, leave the pew, and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man is Christ's call. This morning, as we close, I want you to understand if you are what the Bible calls lukewarm, you're half in, you're a little bit in, that is dangerous ground to tread. God is not pleased with a life that is only partially devoted to Him. Everything else that's taking up your time and your attention and your focus, God considers an idol. God wants all of you. Not because He's mean and not because He's cruel, but because He loves you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And the plan He has for your life is greater than whatever it is you're living for right now. Would you stand with us as we close? I want to pray for you. And I want you to ask yourself, what is it in my life? Is it a person? Is it people? Is it a job? Is it the things that I cling to? What is it that's keeping me from going all in for Christ? And I urge you to let that go this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories of these men that you called God right where they were at. They were fishermen. But God, you wanted to make them fishers of men. You didn't call them because of what they were, but because of what you could make them into. When you called Gary the farmer, now you've made him into one that plants seeds and waters seeds and harvests souls that are saved for Christ. And God, whatever it is that you're calling us out of this morning, God, I pray that we'd have the courage, the faith, Lord, to leave it behind, to follow you with everything we've got, to chase after you, Lord, to seek you in every area of our life, wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.